Welcome to the Founder Church Podcast, helping you to forge a lifelong reliance on God. To find out more about the Founder or how you can get involved, visit thefoundrychurch.com. And that is what we're going to be talking about in the next few weeks. We're going to be talking about the marital relationship. Now, if you're watching online, you're here in person, you're thinking, hey, I'm not married, I'm just a kid, or I, you know, we're dating, or whatever, it's okay. If you're married, if you think someday you're going to be married, if you uh, maybe know somebody who is married, this series is for you because these habits, the things we're going to be talking about the next few weeks, can be put into play in all of our relationships and in our future marriages. And since marriage is two people, right, a a couple, a man and a wife, uh, giving 100%, I'm going to have Christina kick us off with talking a little bit about what we're going to be discussing over the next few weeks and, and before I come back up and, and share a little bit from the book of, uh, of Psalms. So with that, Christina, all right. Good morning, everybody. Okay, so when you get married, you and your spouse become a unique us. There is no other marriage that is just like yours. So when Andrew and I started talking about this series, he said that phrase, and I immediately thought, we're like our own special marital snowflake. And he rolled his eyes at me and said, just say, there's no other marriage like yours. So you get married, there's no other marriage just like yours. But (laughs) you might hear that and think, well, I'm I'm glad there's no other snowflake like mine because we're a hot mess. (laughs) Or you might think, well, everyone should want to be like my snowflake because we're pretty great. But no matter where you are or what you're thinking about your unique us, your unique snowflake, I think there's one thing that can put us all on the same page, and that's that we want a great marriage. We want a great us. But there are a lot of different thoughts about how to get there, how to have a great marriage, have a great us. I mean, seriously, I just Googled the phrase, how to have a great marriage, and there were pages upon pages upon pages of advice about how you could do that. There were articles like 10 strong marriage trips or eight ways to make your marriage better. There was one I thought was particularly interesting on divorcenet.com had an article called the top 20 secrets to building a great marriage. I thought, well, if it's a secret, no wonder everyone's getting a divorce. See, that was funny. Andrew thought it wasn't funny. (laughs) I was really proud of myself. (laughs) So, well, we could go on and on about the ideas everyone else has about how to make a great marriage, how to become the best us. Um, But most of those things often seem too lofty. Sometimes they seem a little ambiguous or a little confusing. So we add to that the fact that most of us are pretty busy. Most of us have a family, have work, have school from home, we just have life, and that can often equate to a marriage that's not exactly what we want it to be. So, we wanted to give you some good news. There are couples living right now in the real world that have a good marriage, and we think you can be one of them, if you aren't already. Um, Andrew and I like to think that we are one of those couples, uh, but we haven't always been. Uh, And we know that getting there is actually a lot simpler than the rest of the world would make you believe. Not because it's easy, but because it's doable. Which leads me to some more good news. 
You don't have to remember these eight steps or these 11 steps or these 20 steps. There's just one simple truth. Your marital habits will either lead to connection or disconnection. It's that simple. Let me say it again. Your marital habits either lead to connection or disconnection. Everything you do for your us will either lead you to connection or disconnection. Now, it's easy to think of things that will disconnect you. Bickering, not talking to each other, hypothetically leaving your laundry next to the hamper instead of in the hamper. <laughs> or there's some big ones like lying, stealing, or cheating. Um, so it's easy to think of the things that disconnect. And sometimes it's harder to think of the things that will connect you, but they're not as complicated as you're thinking. So that's why we came up with this series. Marriage doesn't have to be complicated and grand and over-the-hill <laughs> over lofty ideals. It's very simple. And we think it comes down to what we're calling the core four. So over the next three weeks, we're going to talk about the core four habits of a great marriage. The core four things you need to do, or we need to do, to become our best us. It's not going to be as complicated as you think. And the four habits all come from the Bible. Now, even if you're not sure about the Bible or you're not really sure what you believe about God, these habits can still be great for your marriage, and they're all backed up by research as well. Now, a little disclaimer here before we move on. We are in no way saying that these four habits are the only way to have a great marriage or the only things you have to do to have a great marriage, but we are saying that consistently doing these four things and loving our spouse in the way that God wants us to can create great marital habits. Absolutely. It can help us become our best us. And whatever the reason you're here today, I heard someone came in just for the prizes. <laughs> um, this series of sermons is something that comes from a common prayer that Andrew and I have. Something that, um, it's from a verse that we landed on when we started to intentionally think about our own marriage. It's from the book of Colossians, chapter two, Verses two through three. It says this, my goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Our goal is that you would be encouraged in heart and united in love by applying to your marriage the habits that come from God's hidden treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So whether you are loving your us, you're wondering if your us is even gonna make it, or you're somewhere in between, these core four habits can help you become your best us. So let's dive in. All right. Am I on? I'm, a, I'm, just, I'm just gonna ask you from now on because I always forget. <laughs> All right. I wanna start today by talking about the start of our relationships, all right? Now, this is an area of contention in our home, right? How we first met, right? It, it creates some heated arguments, if we're honest. And, and we're going to tell two different stories here. And I'm going to start, I'm going to tell you the truth, right? The right story, the correct version of how we first met. And then I'm going to hand it off to Christina for one quick more time to share her lies, all right? All right. So the first time that I met Christina, I was, I was in college. I was with my friend Seth. 
Um, we were eating lunch in the cafeteria, a decent lunch, you know, but that's not the point, all right? We were there eating lunch, and in comes walking this girl. She's wearing pigtails in her hair. She, she has tube socks up to her knees, right? And she's wearing, like, Chuck Taylors from 1980, and she's wearing, like, these short cheerleading shorts, and she's, like, kind of, like, skipping on into the cafeteria. And she comes up to my friend Seth, and she says, hey, hey, we're going to go play volleyball. Do you want to go come play volleyball with us? And here's the thing. If you don't know what volleyball is, it's the most unathletic sport there is. All right? And so she's, she knows Seth, and she says, Seth, come play volleyball with us. And Seth's like, no, we, we got to go, you know, we got football practice, and we got stuff, and volleyball's stupid. And, and she's like, no, you guys should come play volleyball. Let's go play volleyball. And then she finally gets the message that, no, we're not going to go play volleyball with you, you crazy girl. And she skips on off to go play volleyball, the most unathletic sport that there is. And uh, I say to my friend Seth, I said, who is that crazy girl? All right, so that's the first time that Christina and I met, the true version. Lies, all lies. I don't know what he's talking about. The real time that we met, I was with his friend Seth. I was with another friend. There were three of us. We were going to play Euchre, and we needed a fourth, for those of you who know how to play the card game Euchre. And we walked past the computer lab. Seth waved hello to this fella. <laughs> and I said, hey, he can be our fourth. Do you want to come play cards? He said no. He said no. He denied me, everyone. <laughs> so I walked over to him. I said, well, what are you doing? That's so important. You can't come play Euchre with me. <laughs> he said, I'm working on a term paper. It's due at the end of the semester. Well, this is week three of the semester. I promptly said, you don't need to do that. Closed his computer and said, you're coming to play cards with us. And that is how we met. I don't deny that that happened, but that was after the cafeteria exchange of volleyball. Now, whichever story you believe, obviously, mine is the true one, right? There is one thing both of these stories have in common, and that is fun, right? Fun, right? That's, that's what is in common. She was trying to pull me out of my uh, humdrum uh, routine, my boring life, into some fun, and that is what we're going to talk about today as our first core habit. All right, think back to the beginning of your relationships. Right, when you were just dating, what did you do for fun? Right, was, it, was it bowling or something? Was it uh, movies? Was it games of cards? Uh, maybe for you athletes, you were for a hike or you went for a run. Maybe you went biking. Right, while we all have different definitions of what it means to have fun in our marriages, in our relationships, Make no mistake about it, right? Before we got married, most of us had hoped that our future spouse would be fun, right? Right? And they probably hoped that we would be fun as well. Why? Because fun is fun, right? Fun is fun. It leads to joy. It leads to laughter. It leads to connection. The things that we want in our marriages, but here's the question, right? Is fun in our marriages essential? Right? Is, is having fun in our marital relationships essential to that relationship? Or as the kids say, is it just a little bit of extra? Right? right. Is it fun or a little bit of extra? All right, think about it. Right? We all like fun. Right? Every time uh, we have fun as a couple, <laughs> we turn to each other and we say, man, we should do that more, right? right? But it's easy to think that the other things in this world, in our lives, 
seem more important than fun, right? And so there's things that become barriers to fun in the marital relationship, right? And here's the tension that we need to peel like an onion this morning. There are a lot of barriers to having fun as a couple. Plus, right, most of us, we do not wake up in the middle of the night worried that we're not having a, enough fun in our, in our marriage. Right? We, we, we think that it is something extra. Right? It's easy to see fun as something that can wait. Uh, it's easy to see fun as something that we can have when, when our work life is a little bit less hectic or when our kids get a little bit older or, or when we can retire, then we'll have a little bit of fun or, or when we stop arguing so much, then we can have fun or if we have some more money, that's our opportunity to have fun. But listen, studies show that having fun in our marriage cannot wait. It cannot wait. So, so listen, Foundry Church, right? Research shows that fun in your marriage is not extra. In fact, it's, it's essential. It's essential, right? That is, that is why the core habit to have serious fun is a big part of becoming your best us. So core habit one, write this down, have serious fun. Right? Core habit one is have serious fun. The core habit of having fun not only comes from research, like Christina was talking about, but from God's direction, from his word as well on how we should have and do marriage. Listen, right? in fact, this, this seemingly lighthearted habit to have serious fun comes from a very serious passage, a very hard-hitting passage. In fact, I wish it came from another passage altogether, right? Because ironically, this passage that we're going to look at here in just a second is not always fun to talk about. It comes from Proverbs chapter 5, which was written by Solomon, right? And, and Solomon was this wise king, right? Some say he was the wisest man to ever live. And Solomon asked God, for one thing, wisdom, right? And God gave it to him. And that is why Solomon is believed to be by many the wisest man who's ever walked this earth, right? These verses that we're going to look at not only paint a picture of the importance of fun, right? Earmuffs, kids, sex, right? And intimacy. They also show us how to protect your marriage from the most serious of issues, right? Even the big ones like adultery. So you may be thinking, all right, hold on, wait a minute. Put a little groove in as how it goes, right? You might be thinking, hold on, wait a minute, Andrew. We're talking about fun, and then all of a sudden you drop the word adultery, right? What, what gives, right? You were just talking about fun, and now you're talking about adultery. Yes, I am, right? And again, right, this unsurprising passage in Proverbs chapter 5 and this light-hearted value of having fun comes together in a very strange way. And this is actually fantastic that it does this because it shows us that having serious fun, having that core habit in our marriages is essential and simply can't wait. That fun is a part of our marriage. So in these verses, go ahead and turn to chapter 5, verses 7 through 9 in Proverbs. In these verses, Solomon is warning his sons to protect themselves and their marriage by staying away from adultery. 
right? All right? But this passage can also be applied to other things like, like destructive habits or, or the constant pursuit of, of power and possessions, things that are going to ruin your marriage. So for 14 verses, right, Solomon tries to scare the, the living daylight out of his sons, right? He's trying to scare them straight for 14 verses. And here is just a few of those verses in Proverbs chapter 5, verses 7 through 9. All right. It says, So now, my sons, listen to me. Never stray from what I am about to say. Stay away from her. Right, her. Anybody that's not, not your wife, right? Do not go near the door of her house. If you do, you will lose your honor and you will lose to merciless people all that you have achieved. Right? Now, Solomon, right, this, this king, he's, he's passionate about warning his sons about adultery. Right? And it actually brings something great to the surface because it speaks to the fact that most of us are designed, right? that, that as humans, that we are designed to crave a deep and emotional and a sexual relationship with one other person. Right? This, this craving is a beautiful thing, and it's a part of a great marriage. But, but here's the catch, right? This craving does not take a vacation. It just doesn't, right? It's always with us, and it's in us. It goes to work with us, right? It goes with us to the gym. It goes with us to the end of the cul-de-sac. It goes with us to the grocery store. It goes with us online, and it's in us when we're with our spouse, and this craving is with us when we're not with our spouse, right? Now, I'm not saying that we should be scared of this craving to have a deep and emotional and a sexual relationship, I'm just saying that we should respect it, right? And most of us, we, we should enjoy it with our spouse, which is what Solomon tells us to do in the next few verses, all right? So pick back up, same chapter, verses 15 through 19. All right, so he says, drink water from your own well, right? We get the imagery there, right? Drink water from your own well, Share your love only with your wife. Why spill the water of your springs in the streets, having sex with just anyone? Right? Verse 17 says, you should reserve it for yourselves. Never share it with strangers. Let your wife be a fountain of blessing for you. Rejoice in the wife of your youth. She is a loving deer a graceful doe, let her breast satisfy you always. May you always be captivated by her love. Now listen, all right, you're thinking, man, I thought the Bible was boring, all right? I thought the Bible was boring. Now you know better, right? Hey, how do you protect your marriage from other love affairs with people, with possessions, with power? You enjoy your marriage, Right? In fact, maybe the best way to protect your marriage is to enjoy your marriage. Right? It just comes down to that. The best way to protect your marriage is to enjoy your marriage. Right? The, the great need to connect, right? to have this intimacy, and to enjoy each other. This habit to have serious fun 
is not extra, right? It's essential, which is, which is really good news because it is what we hoped for before we were married. And I believe it was what we still long for in our marriages, right? Even if we're not married yet, it's going to be a desire that we have, right? Fun is the good stuff of marriage, and fun is essential to our marriage. Well, listen, all right? How do we have fun as a married couple in the real world, right? Because the real world was not our bumper video, was it, right? right? A world that is full of fun barriers, right? They're barriers that aren't optional, right? We, we have to work and, and we have kids, right? So let's start by stating what fun is not, right? Fun, despite the the depictions in stock photography is not perfect-looking couples doing perfect-looking uh, things in perfect-looking locations. Right? I, I, I feel quite sure if I was like one of those couples in that, in that bumper video where, where they were riding a, a bike and the, the wife was sitting on the handlebars, if that happened, if Christina and I did that, we wouldn't be here, right? <laughs> We'd be dead somewhere on the side of the road, right? All right, so thank goodness fun does not require that because fun does not require, get this, perfection. All right, look at this, right? Write this down. Fun requires participation. Fun requires participation. Determine what you both like to do, then do it, right? Do you like to ride bikes together? Okay, that's weird, All right? But if that's what you like, do it. Do it together, right? You like to take walks together? Do it. You like to go out to eat? All right, that's what we do, right? Do it, right? Shop. I don't know how many times our date night ends at Target, right? I play tennis, binge watch TV shows, right? Netflix and chill. All right, I'm making a fun conversation for you and your kids on the way home. All right, find what you like to do as in us, all right? Find what you like to do as in us. It only takes and it only has to work for your us, right? But once you decide what to do, you have to get practical, right? Listen, we need to schedule fun. We need to schedule fun, right? We have to make time for fun just like we have to make time for other things. Even the things that we do not want to do, like going to the doctor or going to soccer practice four nights a week, right? We have to make time to have serious fun. But again, how do we do that in the real world? And how do we do that in real life? Right? Think about it. The things that happen in our lives are the things when we take the steps necessary to fill in the following five blanks, right? The things that happen in our life happen because we fill in the following five blanks. The who, what, when, where, and how, right? Let me give you an example. Who? Me, right? What? Uh, root canal, right? When? Thursday at three. Where? The dentist office. How? Get in the dentist chair, tilt my head back, get a shot, open my mouth wide, and have the worst afternoon of my life, right? That's the who, what, when, where, how, right? We do things like getting root canals because we know we should, right? But it actually happens because we take the necessary steps to fill in all of those blanks, right? So what if, we, what if we got into the habit of filling in those blanks 
to make sure fun happens in our marriage, right? So we're going to share with you three things, just three little things that many marriage experts, uh, both, both secular and in the church world, suggest that we should schedule in order to have fun and connections in marriage. Right? And I'm going to let Christina kick us off with the first one here. Right, and I'll, I'll let you guess why. Okay. So the first thing to schedule is a daily dialogue. That's right. Talking, we brought right? the wife up to talk about talking. All right. So there have been studies done, and they show that couples, on average, spend, get this, four minutes a day in meaningful conversation. Four. Have you ever dedicated just four minutes a day to anything that was actually successful? Okay, for your parents, what if you did that to your kids? You said, hey buddy, I'd love to take you to school, but that's an eight minute drive, and we only got the four minutes, so figure it out. Like, that's not gonna work. And if you tried it at work, you went to your boss and said, okay boss, you got four minutes today, make it count. <laughs> that's called a job opening, like that doesn't work. You've gotta give things more than four minutes a day. Our marriages or our future marriages need more than four minutes. So we want to stretch you a little bit here. We're asking everyone to carve out five minutes a day, <laughs> just one more minute a day, or if you really want to stretch yourself up to 15 minutes a day where you have meaningful conversation. And you're an adult, so you get to do this. You get to make your own schedule. So let's, let's answer these questions, the who, what, when, where, and how. Who? You're us. What? It is a daily dialogue. It's five minutes a day to talk about the necessary details of your week. Or uh, we have a couple that they do five minutes a day where they talk about their high and their low. Or we have some friends who every day they spend five minutes telling the funniest thing that happened to them that day. Whatever it is, the what is your five minutes to 15 minutes of a meaningful daily dialogue? When can you do it? Monday through Friday at 8 o'clock. Where can you do it? In your bedroom with the door closed and locked. <laughs> and how do you do it? You put it on your calendar and you both show up. It's just a few minutes a day, but it really matters and it can really make a difference. One of our couple friends, they do their 15 minutes by hiding in their master bathroom and locking the door. <laughs> Every once in a while, little fingers will go under the doors, <laughs> but they make it count because they do whatever it takes whatever it takes to have fun in their relationship and to become the best us. All right, the next thing that we need to schedule is date night. Okay, Andrew and I, we do it once a week. We know that's not realistic for everyone. We don't have children. So <laughs> maybe start by scheduling it once a month, once every other month, once every other week. Whatever you can do, just start doing it. Go out to dinner once a month, just you and your spouse. Let's answer these questions again. Let's get realistic, real practical. Who? It's your us. What? It's a date night. When is it? Every Thursday. Where is it? Your favorite restaurant. How do you do it? Book a babysitter, and you go. One of these days, I'll be on top of things. All right. Now, you may be thinking, right? All right she shared the two easy ones. What's, what's possibly the third one that she couldn't share for, for that moment? Well, go back to the book of Proverbs there, right? Where does sex fit into all of this? Now, 
If you are playful and fun and you're carving out moments for your us, then, then sex can be the byproduct of that, right? But not always, right? That is why so many marriage experts suggest that married couples should schedule sex. Now, again, awkward conversation for you parents, right, on the way home. But quick side note, right? Now, I know that you're at church and you're, you might be thinking, man, we shouldn't be talking about sex in church. Well, listen, I think that the church environments are the perfect place to talk appropriately about sex, right? Because God created sex, and he wants it to be great in the context of marriage between a husband and a wife, right? So, so don't feel weird, right? So with that said, back to scheduling sex, right? Some people tell me that scheduling sex takes away the spontaneity, and I say, who cares, right? Who cares, really, right? I would rather be a nerd with fun and sex in my marriage than Mr. Spontaneous, <laughs> right? You, you know, most of us need to schedule sex. Why? Because we're busy, right? And oftentimes, if we don't schedule it, it just won't happen. But maybe the most important reason to schedule sex is, is because in marriage, you typically have one spouse who is instantly ready for sex, while the other spouse it needs time to kind of warm up to the idea, right? In other words, one of you is a microwave and the other one is a crockpot. And I'll let you guess which gender is usually which one, right? Scheduling sex is like turning on that crockpot, right? So schedule it. What does that look like in the real world, right? Who, what, when, where, and how? Well, who? Well, you and your spouse. What, right? Sex, when? Tuesday night between soccer practice and dinner, where, bedroom, closet, how? I'm gonna leave that up to you, right? All right, now some of you, some of you don't need to schedule sex because you're having it all the time, all right? But for the other 90% of the world, a little scheduling is a good thing, all right? Also, I'm not suggesting that sex should never be spontaneous. It should. But scheduling never hurts, and it almost always helps. Right? After I, I spoke on this topic with a, a friend and, and his spouse, his wife, they said, we have officially determined that, that Sunday afternoon is sex day. And, and now that's what I call the Lord's Day, right? <laughs> they said it helps us to go ahead and start heating up that crock pot. It's, a, it's a, an important lesson. So the bottom line here, here's the question, right? What is the difference between couples who have fun and enjoy each other sexually and those who don't? Right? Those that do make time for it. And if that means scheduling it, why not, right? And there's one more thing that I want to say about fun in general. Fun is not just about being fun during the times that you've allotted for it. Right? When, it, when it comes to, to having serious fun, we have to decide personally as individuals to be fun. Right? Are you fun with your spouse? Right? Do, you, do you laugh? Do you smile? Do you flirt? Or are you always serious and stressed out or grouchy? Listen, as, as spouses, we have to make the decision to be fun sometimes whether we like it or not. And if your spouse is trying to be fun, we've got to be fun back. We've got to laugh at jokes that aren't funny. I've become an expert at that, right? 
We got to encourage silliness and pranks and wrestling and tickling or whatever it is that is fun for your us. Right? Having serious fun is not extra in marriage. Right? It's a valuable lesson, whether we're married right now or in our future. Right? It's essential. So choose to be fun. Right? We gotta, we gotta talk. We gotta laugh. We gotta date. We gotta make time for sex because getting into the habit of having serious fun cannot wait. I'm gonna invite Christina back up to close us out. Okay, so um, for a while now, Andrew and I's date night has been Friday, Friday night, um, and this time together has been. It's been a game changer and it's been so key to us staying connected and not just living like roommates. Um, if you are close to us at all, you probably know that our date night is Friday night because we tell everyone. Um, the reason we do that is one, it reminds us this is, this is our night, it's just for us. But it also builds an accountability because you better believe if we have friends who know we went out on Friday, on Sunday morning, they're gonna be asking us what we did. We don't talk to anybody on Saturday, so. <laughs> but, so we have to have something to talk about. We have to say, we went out and did this, or we played this game, or we went here and did this. Every once in a while, we have to make exceptions, and that's fine because life happens. But, Friday night is our night, and when we miss it, when we don't make time for fun, we can tell, and so can everyone around us. Things between us become more strained, we're just not really nice to each other. <laughs> um, there are these moments where things just don't feel right because we haven't made the time to have fun together. But when we do make the time to have fun, everything feels better. Our attitude changes, our connection changes. We have a little more grace for each other, a little more understanding. Having serious fun is so important for our us. And the same is true for your marriage. So I'm gonna end with this one last thing. We get to choose to have fun. This is something to schedule on your calendar, but you get to look forward to it. It's, it's not a root canal. It's having fun with your spouse. The challenge is that our society would have us believe this isn't important. In fact, we're led to believe that if we have one more project, one more activity for our kids to do, one more side hustle, that's where we will find happiness and that's where we will find fun. But I remember being a little kid and thinking about adults and saying, when I'm an adult, I will eat ice cream before every meal because I'm allowed to. And that's what this is. This is you scheduling ice cream before dinner because you're an adult and you're allowed to do that. <laughs> so, I'm not saying that we should shrug off our duties as employees, bosses, or parents. But I am saying, since we are the big people, we get to say yes to having fun. Life is serious enough. Let's have fun with our spouses. Let's make time for fun, let's be fun, and let's, let's establish the habit of having serious fun. Thanks for listening to the Foundry Church Podcast. We'd love to stay in touch. Visit us online at thefoundrychurch.com or connect with us on Facebook or Instagram at the Foundry Burke.